Hello and welcome to Intelligence Talks. I'm Liam Bailey. I'm head of research at Knight Frank. The long-awaited autumn statement has just happened. Uh, the Chancellor sat down an hour ago and we're recording this on Thursday, but you'll be listening in on Friday. Bearing in mind the mini-budget in late September was so impactful, we wanted to share our thoughts with our listeners as soon as possible on this budgetary event. Now, to guide us through the fiscal maze, I'm joined by Tom Bill, Head of Residential Research. Hello to you, Tom. Hi, Liam. And Flora Harley, Research Partner. Welcome to you, Flora. Hi, Liam. So, lots to unpack in our short podcast format. Tom, top line, what's your thoughts on the implications for the residential market? Gosh, I mean, top line, I suppose it's um, it could have been worse for the property market. But I think that's probably true for lots of different parts of the economy. In terms of the things that were sort of trailed ahead of the autumn statement, capital gains tax looked like it was going to be tinkered with. The government was at least going to reduce the exemption, the, the, the level at which you don't pay capital gains tax. It was going to halve that, which it has done. It's actually reduced it from 12300 to £3,000 by April 2024. So what that means is if you are a second homeowner, you'll pay capital gains tax on everything above £3,000 when you come to sell. So the owners of second homes, when they come to sell, will be worse off and that will probably disproportionately affect owners of lower value properties when they when they come to sell. I suppose the slightly surprising thing was um, the announcement on stamp duty. So what Jeremy Hunt did was to effectively reverse what Kwasi Kwarteng did on the 23rd of September, which was to uh, increase the nil rate band to 250,000, which effectively means a £2,500 saving for people compared to what the rate was. Now, Jeremy Hunt has just put that back from April 2025, which was slightly surprising. I think they'll probably do a couple of things. It'll mean that transaction activity picks up in the run-up to the deadline in April 2025, probably around the time of the next general election as well. I don't know whether that's a a coincidence or not. Otherwise, I'm not sure it'll have much of an impact on prices. But I think it was interesting because the government was quite quick to pull the lever of a stamp duty holiday during the pandemic, trumpeting the benefits to the wider economy. Now, what it appears to be going to do now is to reverse what Quentin Kwantang has done, which doesn't completely align with the message it was putting out during the pandemic i.e. stamp duty was good for the wider economy. It's now effectively putting rates back up to where they were before um, 23rd September. So those were the two, I suppose, primary, uh, most obvious announcements that will have have the biggest impact on the UK property market. I mean, just thinking about that stamp duty reversal then, I mean, well, I suppose, as you say, during the pandemic, the government seemed to take the view that actually kick-starting the housing market through a stamp duty cut was a good thing for the economy. It was it was a positive for, I don't know, labor mobility and just generally for kind of economic activity. But I guess their thought process is the additional tax revenue it will hopefully generate for the government offsets any potential gain from economic activity. Yeah, it's certainly in the, in the costings, it's certainly looking to raise revenue from, from putting that nil rate band back down again. It does have the caveat that one of the risks uh, is that it doesn't know how that's going to impact behaviour. I would suggest that it will impact behaviour almost certainly. I don't know whether the government's being very clever in terms of trying to generate more activity and potentially more upwards pressure on prices around the time of the next election. I'm not, I'm not sure they might not be thinking 
that far ahead, but that could be one of one impact from it. But it, it just doesn't seem to chime with what they've said in the past and what the noises that they've made in the past around a more liquid housing market where people are buying and selling property with less friction around you know transaction costs is better for the wider economy. It, it, it just sort of struck a slightly odd note, but I suppose we'll sort of in the weeks ahead we'll get a better idea of what was the thinking behind it. And actually, just, just staying with that for a second on the stamp duty uh, issue, I guess that the saving during the pandemic was was bigger. This sort of change that was made in the mini budget was not as significant for the average home buyer, was it? No, it was £2,500, but the savings were much bigger for first-time buyers, so up, uh, upwards of £11,000 potentially, depending on the, the value of the property. So that was quite a significant amount for a, for a first-time buyer. So on the face of it, it's not a huge change, but actually for that uh, end of the market, the, presumably the government is looking to try and help onto the property ladder. It just struck a slightly strange note in the context of everything else that they were trying to do to promote growth in in any limited capacity that they can. Moving to you, Flora, from your perspective, um, just thinking about the economic impact of the budget, what's, what's your take? Well, the Chancellor was always sort of walking a tightrope of trying to satisfy markets, which had sort of been plunged into that uncertainty and had gone a little bit um, wild after the mini-budget. But he also couldn't push it so far as to plunge the economy into quite a deep recession. And the former looks to have been done. We've seen gilts and exchange rates particularly move marginally, but barely in sort of the relativity terms. So the markets look to be alleviated and he has done some good to restore some of the fiscal credibility that might have been crushed in the last few months. The former looks to be done if you believe some of the OBR forecasts. So what they're now saying is that they confirm that the UK has begun a recession and it's likely to see GDP fall by around 1.4% next year before returning to growth of over 1% in 2024. So that's a much rosier picture than we heard from the Bank of England in the last few weeks, which have forecast a two years of recession. They're actually only saying five quarters of recessions because of all the measures announced today. And there are some upside risks to that too, with the the confirmation of the energy price guarantee, which will rise to 3,000 from April, but stay in place for 12 months. It gives some stability to households and also alleviates some of that inflationary pressure feeding through and sort of gives more stability. So he looks to have managed to walk that tightrope quite successfully by making sure that markets have barely moved and actually the economic picture isn't as bad as many may have thought just a few weeks ago. There have been some tax rises and and shifts in the bans, etc. So the government is looking to raise more tax revenue. That seems to be the key takeaway. Yeah, but the Chancellor has sort of successfully um, given himself a little bit more fiscal headroom with the new fiscal rules that he's putting in place and delaying them so that they don't actually come into play in for another five years. So he's got a little bit more wiggle room. And actually, the OBR is forecasting that public sector net borrowing will rise in the next fiscal year before falling back and to meet those fiscal plans. And some of that will be to do with tax receipts falling, because if the economy heads into recession, tax receipts naturally go down. But he's given himself actually a lot more headroom whilst giving himself new fiscal rules. And the accusation uh, that has been levelled at this government is because of the mini budget and, and the fallout from that, and the need to kind of placate the OBR, that has meant that effectively, <laughs> the decisions made today in this latest statement, they will deepen the recession bigger than it would have been. Is that right? 
Well, actually, what the OBR are forecasting is that the recession will be much shallower than it would have elsewise been. And as I said, there are some sort of upside risks. So inherent in those OBR forecasts is that the Bank of England base rate will peak at 5% next year, whereas actually what the market expectations are is of 4.5%. We've seen a lot more dovish tones from MPC members in the last couple of weeks saying that they may not need to rise that far. We've seen sort of turns from other central banks such as Australia and Canada who are slowing the pace of rate hikes. So actually we could see another rate hike in December, potentially early next year, but then we could see the banks sort of take the foot off the pedal a little bit and let some of those impacts feed through the economy and see how that feeds through into inflation. So actually, we could see lower than that 5%. So that's an upside risk to all the ABR forecasts. Okay, thank you very much. Tom, let's just go back to that CGT story. As you said, it affects second home owners, and they will be worse off in the future if they're looking to realise gains on properties. I guess it's early to say, or it's early days, but do you think it points to anything more than just a desire to raise tax revenue? Or do you think it points to a policy shift in terms of the government looking to discourage second home ownership? I think this measure in itself is probably just about recouping tax revenue. Um, It's not a huge amount. CGT is not going to ruffle too many feathers around the country. Not many people pay it, generally speaking. Reducing the tax-free exemption rate isn't going to have a massive impact, politically speaking. In context, though, it's happening. It's yet another sort of um, landlords are being squeezed just that little bit further. It's yet another disincentive for landlords who in recent years have had a whole series of, of tax rises and exemptions taken away from them. And the government, politically speaking, on the one hand, you have, you know, landlords are, have been a fairly easy target for the government uh, and they've been fairly quick to target them as part of successive budgets. But that's largely ignored the economic arguments. And the economic arguments are that if you encourage or you discourage landlords and landlords have been leaving the sector, they've been selling up, if that starts to happen more and more, then there's fewer and fewer rental properties around, putting even more upwards pressure on rental values, which are already rising fairly steeply across most parts of the country, which will will obviously hit tenants hard. And one one in five households across England are in the private rental sector. So you'd hope that the government is is going to start to look at this situation through an economic lens more than a political lens in it that it has done to date, i.e. landlords being an easy target. And they will just sort of, you know, the penny will drop on the on the laws of supply and demand. And if you just discourage landlords, then ultimately rents are going to go up and it's going to hurt tenants. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. Um, no news or mention on taxation of overseas owners or foreign buyers? No. I mean, you do wonder how much more they they could tax overseas buyers. There was obviously the stamp duty increase that came in uh, a couple of years ago, an extra 2% surcharge. I mean, there was talk ahead of the budget of them looking at revising the non-DOM rules around people who are tax resident in the UK and don't pay tax on their worldwide income. It wasn't announced today. It, it might still happen. You, you know, you can see that the government perhaps would launch a consultation or would start to look at it. I mean, it, it's it's an area that they, I think they'll probably feel fairly exposed politically ahead of the election from the Labour Party. So it might be something to look at further down the line. But this time round, they chose not to announce anything. It doesn't mean it's going to be ruled out in the future. But generally speaking, no, I mean, overseas buyers have been taxed successively in recent years. And this time around, you wonder how much is left for the government to do. And this time around, they sort of haven't done anything, uh, which is perhaps unsurprising, given what's 
proceeded. Flora, final thoughts from you. I, your takeaway seemed to be relatively positive. Is that right? Yeah, I think it, it paints a much rosier picture than than some others and a sort of shallow, quicker recession than particularly even at the Bank of England were forecasting. And I think one of the key things that comes out of the OBR forecast for me is the sharp fall in inflation that they're expecting from the middle of next year. And actually, they're forecasting less than 1% on averaging across 2024 and then deflation in 2025, which just will add to that rhetoric and sort of support the Bank of England in their mandate for fighting inflation and maybe the fact that they might take their foot off the accelerator at the beginning of next year if that path is to be believed. So I think that's some of the key takeaways for me. Okay, that's a big story. When's the pivot, do we think, for base rates? I think in reality, it's always hard to second guess, but the government sort of backed the Bank of England to continue on their mandate and their sort of independence, which gives more credibility, I think, to the Monetary Policy Committee and their rate setting ability that they won't have their mandate changed anytime soon. But I definitely think that it's likely we'll see a 50 basis point rise in December and probably one or two early next year, but then potentially we might see them take a pause for breath. And as we've mentioned before, when we spoke to sort of capital economics and the likes, the Bank of England in its history has never continued raising rates when house prices have fallen on that annualised basis. So even though that will take some time to feed through in the data, again, it sort of indicates that early next year we'll see a pause or a pivot. Okay, let me pin you to it. So no one's going to hold you to it. Our listeners will not hold you to this, but your view on peak UK base rate? I think it's potential that we could see base rates peak around 4%. If they're 3% now, another 50 basis points this year, and maybe two 25 basis points in early next year, that would bring us to 4%. But it, it could go a bit higher than that. Markets are still pricing in, as I said earlier, around 4.5%. But my current thought would be a sort of a 50% probability of a peak of 4 Brilliant. Thank you. Tom, what's your thought? I mean, it's similar. I mean, I was going to sort of talk about mortgage rates, which were obviously the only thing anyone was talking about after the last mini budget. I don't think this autumn statement has really moved the dial in terms of where where mortgage rates are going to go. But I think for anybody sort of remortgaging or buying a house, mortgage rates are going to start or keep edging downwards as the effects of the mini budget work their way through the system. Banks sort of gone into the swap market and taken money out in October, having to work through that. And so it'll take a period of time for the, for the lower swap rates that we're currently seeing to be reflected in mortgage rates. But that's the direction that everything is now headed in, i.e. low. And I think, as Knight Frank Finance have said, I think in the past we'll see more and more mortgage products now beginning with a fall. That has been hugely informative. Thank you so much to you, Tom. Thank you, Liam. And to you, Flora. Thanks, Liam. And remember, for more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note that goes out each Monday, Wednesday and Friday or any one of our dedicated sector-focused newsletters. See our show notes for more details. And please subscribe to Intelligence Talks wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you very much for listening to this week's episode.